All right, what a wonderful day. Wow, praise the Lord. And uh, this is the day for the Christian, the day of victory. Uh, we thank the Lord God for sending His Son, and we sang about it this morning. We're bearing our sins upon Him on the cross, but we're also so thankful that it didn't end there, that uh, even though it was Friday and Jesus died, Sunday was coming, and Jesus had promised He would come forth from the grave. I heard a song on the radio on the way in this morning I hadn't heard before, but it said that Good Friday is good because of Easter, because of the fact that Jesus wins, and He has proven the victory through His resurrection from the grave. Certainly for Jesus, it appeared that His life was over on Friday. It appeared His ministry was finished having been crucified and right there among criminals and then buried in a borrowed tomb. Last week we talked about the crowds on Palm Sunday and all of the excitement, but Jesus did not deliver them from Rome, but rather was tried and crucified by the Roman authorities. And so the crowds left him alone. His disciples were scattered, afraid, disheartened, and they had all run away. And here it is Sunday, three days after he was buried. And the record of what happened as we read it in, in the book of John shows us a very different morning in a cemetery. So I'd like to read the passage, John chapter 20, verses 1 to 18 from the New Living Translation. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, 
For I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. Certainly there are a lot of things going on in the cemetery on Easter morning that are quite different. Have you ever been in a cemetery when it's dark? Horror movies are shown about such things. I remember one time we did a scavenger hunt with a youth group in the cemetery. They had to find different dates and different people and all kind of things. It was at nighttime, and it was rather spooky. <laughs> Definitely mysterious. Well, here we find in John's Gospel the report that Mary Magdalene was there before dawn while it was still dark. Now, if you read the other Gospels, by the way, you know, four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, okay, all of them are different witnesses of all the things that happened with Jesus. And you will find a little bit different items in each Gospel. Um, Matter of fact, we read in the other Gospels that it wasn't just Mary Magdalene that went to the tomb. We have three Marys, actually, that went to the tomb. So how can this be? Well, before you say, well, that shows that everything's not correct, it's a matter of witnesses. If you have several witnesses to one event, you're going to have different things reported. And God has given us four witnesses to get all of the information. We're just going to spend time today in the Gospel of John, but I will refer to some of the other places, as I've just done. But it's very likely now, seeing that Mary is reported here alone by John, that she got ahead of the other women somehow, all right? And she actually was the very first one to be there at the tomb where Jesus had been buried. She, I'm sure, was wondering how in the world they were going to be able to do what they went to do. Matter of fact, the other Gospels do report this, that the women were asking, how are we going to get that stone away so we can put these special fragrances on the body? They were going to anoint the body, and they were ready to do so. So they were wondering how it would ever happen that they could get that stone away. And so she comes to look for the body of Christ. Mary came expecting to find the tomb sealed. But the first thing she saw was that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She was shocked, probably frightened. And uh, it seems like, from what John reports, she really didn't spend a lot of time once noticing the stone was rolled away, but took off to get the disciples, to get somebody else there with her. I mean, it's the cemetery in the dark, and the stone's not there anymore. I mean, this is really crazy. And so she ran off to Peter and John and told them that the body was missing and that she thought someone had taken it and she didn't know where. So Peter and John run to the tomb. We don't know how far they had to run, but apparently enough distance that uh, we had a little competition. You notice John reports that he beat Peter there. Matter of fact, he says it twice. I don't know if that's a, a fact of uh, pride, uh, but anyway, it's showing up in the text. All right. Uh, you know, most uh, 
Commentators believe that John was younger than Peter, all right, so thus he ran a little faster, although Peter was always distracted by something, so maybe he saw something along the way and didn't quite get there as quickly, I don't know. But anyway, John was there first, and we're told here in the passage that they found linen wrappings lying there in the tomb area, and they also found the cloth that covered Jesus' head folded and by itself. Now that's significant in the light of the fact that Mary Magdalene is thinking that someone stole the body. Someone had taken the body. Well, if there had been grave robbers, which there were many at that time, I mean, that's a likely thought, all right, there would have probably not been a neatly folded cloth laying there in the place where Jesus had been lying. And the linens probably would have been all over as well. It's kind of an evidence, again, that, hey, Jesus has risen. There's something significant that's happened here. And they're going to get that confirmed later, of course. But we see it here even in the early part of this story. Yes. Also, it's interesting that even though John does report that he was the faster of the runners, he never uses his own name. So there is humility there, right? Yeah. He often says that he's the the disciple that Jesus loved. He also says he was the disciple that got there first. So he keeps saying that. All right. Okay. Um, the disciples, of course, after seeing this, um, left right away. Now, we do notice a significant difference really between Peter and John. You notice that John looks in, okay, and then Simon Peter arrived and went inside, and he noticed also that the linen wrappings were there and the cloth was folded. And it says that the disciple that had reached the tomb first, John, he saw and believed. All right, we don't have that here written for Peter. Peter was, I'm sure, still struggling, but John, John was a tender one. He was the one that had hung in there even at the cross and was assigned by Jesus to take care of Jesus' mother. Uh, he was on the inside track with Jesus, obviously. He was on the Mount of Transfiguration with him, with Peter and James as well. But yet, he was very tender at this moment And he understood the scriptures. You get that? He understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Now, those scriptures are not New Testament scriptures, right? They didn't have the New Testament. It's being written. (laughs) Okay, so he was thinking about what had been prophesied in the Old Testament, saying that the Messiah would rise from the dead. Of course, Jesus had said that over and over again. But John thought about the Old Testament scriptures that were fulfilled at this moment, and he believed. Now, right after that, they didn't stay. It's kind of interesting to me. I mean, right away, they're gone. They, they, they take off, leave Mary there alone. Um, I, I think this, again, an illustration that what was going on in that day was kind of overwhelming. Uh, they weren't sure really what was going on. Um, they didn't really know for sure that Jesus was alive. Uh, they were afraid, I'm sure, of, of all of the authorities that had crucified Jesus that they themselves might be taken in. So they were getting out of there. And so they left right away. But Mary stayed. She was weeping, again, still believing that the body had been stolen. And when she stayed, after the disciples left, she then looks into the tomb again, and then she sees two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head, the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. And the angels then ask her the question as well, woman, why are you crying? And again, her answer is, 
that she feels that somebody has taken the body of Jesus and she doesn't know where they have put him. And then, immediately after that, she sees someone that she believes is the gardener. Now, what we have here in this story is a brave woman and fearful men. Sorry, guys. Very thankful that the women were brave. <laughs> I mean, Jesus just picked his disciples. They weren't women, okay, but he had women traveling with him. They, they were the ones that paid the bills. They were the ones that took care of things, okay? They were the ones then also that showed up at the tomb on Easter morning. Kind of fascinating. It, particularly in the light of the day that this took place. And ladies, I just want to say, Jesus affirms you. <laughs> you find your significance in Christ. Yeah, doesn't matter what culture says about who's here and who's there. All of us, men and women, find our significance in Christ. But particularly in the day that this was taking place, where women were not looked at with any value, except to have children, pretty much, and take care of them. They come to the tomb. They're the ones that verify the most important event in history. God has a place for every one of us. And it's all found in the living Christ. Mary, Mary had been very close to Jesus. Actually, uh, she, we're told in one of the Gospels, was delivered from seven demons. Now, there's a lot of things that are stated about Mary that historically are not true. Uh, some have said that Mary was a prostitute. Probably not. Okay? We don't know that for sure. It doesn't say that in the Scriptures. And some have even gone on to say, and you've probably heard this through Jesus Christ Superstar and some other things, that Mary became Jesus' wife. Well, absolutely not true. <laughs> okay. But Mary was very close to Jesus because Jesus had delivered her from seven demons. And you know, Jesus said, those who are forgiven much, love much. She loved Jesus because he delivered her. We, we love Jesus because he delivers us. That's why we love him. We love him because he first loved us. We love him because of all he's done for us. That's because he is Lord. And he is Lord of all. So she was at the crucifixion. She was there first at the tomb. She saw the linen cloths. She saw the angels. And then she saw what she thought was the gardener. Now, it's very fascinating to me here to note that Jesus, who appears to her as the gardener, speaks to her initially and says, why are you crying? He asks her the same questions, right? And uh, dear woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? She hears his voice, she sees him there, but she still does not know who he is. Because she answers, she thinks somebody stole his body. She doesn't know where he is. It wasn't until Jesus called her by name that she knew it was him. Now, we don't have a lot of detail here, so I don't want to go further than it's appropriate. 
But it is very clear that after the resurrection of Jesus, that people did not recognize him by his appearance. Mary did not. When he showed up in the rooms that day and the next week with the disciples, it wasn't until he did something or said something that related to what he had done in ministry that they knew it was him. Do you remember when he showed up on the shore and the disciples were fishing and uh, they were out there and they weren't catching anything again and he said, hey, throw the net on the other side and again, like it was at the beginning when they were first called, the net was full. They didn't know it was Jesus until that miracle took place. And John said, hey, that's the Lord. And Peter put on his clothes. I don't know what he had on. but <laughs> And he jumped in the water and he swam there. And they had breakfast with Jesus and Jesus restored Peter. But again, they did not recognize. He looks different than he did in his human form. Hey, dear friends, someday we're all going to be set free from this body. Jesus is the first fruits. He's the one that was raised into a glorious body, all right? And someday we will have one as well. Some of you have relatives or maybe you yourself are suffering with a lot of things right now in your lives. I know people who are wrestling with cancer. I know people who are wrestling with all kinds of diseases. I know people who are struggling with a lot of things in life. But you know, if you know Jesus, if you know the resurrected Christ, someday when we leave this place, we're going to have a new body. It's not going to be recognizable in the sense of the way we look now. All of the things that are holding us back now will be gone. And so we look forward to that day. But for Mary on this day, it was the calling of her name. And you notice there's an exclamation mark there. <laughs> it was an excited statement. Jesus said, Mary, Mary. It was almost like, hey, this is me. I'm here. And she got it. And she got it. And she turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, teacher, you're the one. You are the one, basically, she's saying. Jesus, you're here. You're my Savior. Teacher, my rabbi. And apparently, she either grabbed on to him or tried to, because Jesus right away says, don't cling to me. Now, that's kind of an interesting one. And uh, as you read that initially, you might say, wait a minute. <laughs> Does that mean that uh, she's not allowed to touch him? Till he goes and is, is actually ascended to the Father? Well, no, it cannot be that because we do find Jesus later in one of the contexts before he's ascended and he comes to Thomas and Thomas said, I'm not going to believe until I touch your wounds. Jesus says, go ahead. Now, Thomas didn't do it because he was struck with the lordship of Christ at that moment. But, but Christ really much very was around. It wasn't like you couldn't touch him. So really what's going on here is that she's trying to hold on to this moment. <laughs> she's trying to hold on to Jesus right now. And Jesus had already told his disciples, we've been through all of this in our study through John here, where Jesus keeps saying, I got to go away. And unless I go away, it, it, it's, it's, it's going to be better for you if I do, right? He says, unless I go away, the Holy Spirit's not going to come. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. You're going to have my presence with you in you all the time. And so he's saying to Mary, don't cling to me. I have to ascend. Now, he's not going to ascend for several days, all right? And uh, that will take place. But we have the promise later in this chapter, if you look at verse 22, that he told his disciples when he was with them, 
that he was going to ascend to the Father. He says, um, receive then the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they're forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So he gives us the Spirit of God as he ascends, and we have the power. And the Spirit, of course, came at Pentecost and filled the believers, and that was the beginning of the church. A couple of good things here for us. Jesus knows your name. And when Jesus speaks your name in the midst of a very dark, uncertain place, like a cemetery in the morning, he will bring you peace and joy. She was distraught. She was weeping. And it suddenly stopped. Suddenly she was excited. Suddenly she was set free from all of her mourning. Suddenly she had hope. Suddenly life was different. When we come to know the Lord Jesus in our lives in a personal way, when we hear him speak our name, when we know that he loves us and knows us and we submit ourselves to that, we find peace, we find joy, we find hope. He is the risen and living Christ. What a morning. What an event. Jesus is alive, even though he was dead. He is risen, as he said. It is exciting. But what does it matter that Jesus rose from the dead? What difference does this make for you and me today? Well, first of all, it affirms and confirms that Jesus is who he said he is. Jesus said to his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. There is no one in history, religious leaders, great political leaders, people of great authority, but there is no one in history who has ever died and rose again. No one. Buddha died. Muhammad died. Muhammad, he was buried. Jesus. It's a historical fact. It isn't just something that we just learned in church. In the books and the annals of history, we all know that Jesus really did rise from the dead. The, the political leaders tried to, tried to put it down. They tried to come up with other stories. They, they even threatened to kill some of the guards if they said something different. They had all these lies made up, but it was real. And he appeared to many people before he ascended. A group even of 500, we're told in Paul's writing. Jesus rose from the dead. He is alive. And by coming to life. He is Lord. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Paul writes in Romans 1.4, he was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead. You can have confidence, dear friends, that Jesus is who he said he is. That everything that Jesus says is true. That he is the Lord of all. That he is all authority. That he is the creator and sustainer of all things. That he is God. 
and in him you find life. You can have that confidence because he rose from the dead. Secondly, the resurrection of Jesus is the assurance that our sins are fully paid for and that victory and eternal life is ours through faith in him. We know that when he hung on the cross, that he cried out that word of victory, it is finished. That word in the original language is to telestai. And it was a merchant word that was stamped on a bill when it was paid. And it meant paid in full, never needing to be paid again. Jesus said to telestai. It's paid for, never needing to be paid for again. Some people are still trying to pay for their sins. You don't have to. You can't. It won't work. But in Christ, in Christ, in his victory, we have the promise of sins forgiven. And that is affirmed, confirmed, and settled through his resurrection. We read in Romans 4.25, he was raised to life to make us right with God. The resurrection shows that God accepted fully Christ's sacrifice as complete and taking care of all the necessity on our behalf. All of the wrath of God had been poured upon him. He'd even experienced the separation from God that sins break, sin brings. When he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But then three days later, He's alive. And thirdly, the resurrection of Jesus leads us to faith in God and hope in this life and the next. 1 Peter 1.21 says, You have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. When I read that verse, I think about Lee Strobel, who was an atheist, a journalist for the Chicago Tribune, and his wife went to a church by herself without him, heard the gospel, and believed in Jesus. And the living Jesus changed her. And she became such a different person that it was bothering him. And so he decided he was going to do everything he could to disprove what she was believing in. Particularly as a journalist, he was going to disprove the resurrection of Jesus. Interesting that he saw that as the cornerstone to take a shot at. But his story is an interesting one because as he did all of his research, and you can read it in The Case for Christ, but as he did all of his research, he kept coming to the fact that it was true. And he came to the point where he realized he had to make a decision. Was he going to believe what he had discovered or was he going to continue to not believe? And like all of us that come to faith in Christ, that's a turning point. It's a challenging time because we realize that no longer 
are we really the ones in charge? We never really were, even though we might have thought we were. But we know we get to a point where we realize that if Jesus is Lord, if he is the living Christ, that demands that I submit to him. So Lee Strobel came to that point. And in a childlike faith, like all of us, he said, Jesus, I've tried to disprove this, but I know as from what I've found that you are the living Lord Jesus. And I accept you into my life. Christ changed him. And today he's written multiple books, been amazing testimony for the life of Christ in his life and the testimony of the risen Lord Jesus. The stone could not hold Jesus back from rising from the dead. He conquered the grave. He has made a way for all who believe in him by faith to have eternal life. Dear friends, all of us will face death. No one can escape it. But what if you could have assurance that when you die, you will not truly die, but you will live again forever? That's what Jesus' resurrection means for us today. Jesus is the only one ever to rise from the dead. He's not only the one who rose from the dead, but he is Lord and King and Savior, the one who conquered death for you and me. Now, maybe there are some stones that need to be rolled away in our lives. Maybe there are some things holding us back from really trusting Christ. Maybe you're saying, there's just too much going on in my life. It's just too much of a mess. I've just gone too far, and, and I, it's just there's no way that I could ever really qualify to have a relationship with God. The stone's too big. Well, just like Mary Magdalene, the stone that keeps us many times from faith is too great for us to move. But Jesus is capable of bringing you out. As he came out of the grave on Easter, he can remove the things that hold us back from a relationship with God. Jesus is alive. You don't see him here this morning, but he's here. He's here in the lives of those who have accepted him. He's here through the Holy Spirit in each of us that know him. And he's here through his people right now to touch you if you don't know him. Jesus said, anybody who calls upon me, who receives me, I will not cast out. If you will call upon him, you will know the living Savior in your life. As Jesus came out of the grave on Easter, he can remove the things that hold us from a relationship with God. And he lives for all who will believe in him and receive him as Lord. We do not any longer need to be bound by a sin, sins, stones in front of us, whatever it might be that seems to be holding us back. We don't need to be bound anymore for Christ and set us free. Tell him that you need him to bring you freedom and believe. He can and he will. Let's pray. We thank you our Father, for the wonderful truth that Jesus is alive.
We thank you that you have saved us through the shedding of his blood, through the giving of himself completely, for him bearing our sins, but also through the victory that he has had over death. We thank you that he sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for all who belong to him. What a wonderful, wonderful position. And thank you that he has sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in all who belong to you. That not only do we believe, not only do we have hope, not only do we have faith, but we have power. We have power to live because you actually live within us through the Holy Spirit. I pray for anyone here this morning that has not yet opened their heart to Christ. That they would realize that what we're speaking about today is real. And that even though there will be temptations to not believe, that they will, they will come to you by faith. And Lord, I pray that you would help us all as we go from here today to live in the wonderful good news of the resurrection. That death no longer has the power over us. That Satan has been defeated. That even though he's still our enemy, we do not have to submit to him and anything he calls us to. But that we can stand firm upon the rock of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our living Lord, in his name, amen. Sing with us, please.
He is risen. Uh, you may all be seated. I have a couple announcements here before Pastor Glenn closes us out uh, this morning. Uh, so for Easter, we're having our special offering towards disaster efforts in Turkey. Uh, so you can give online through the rest of this week. We're going to still have it open till next Sunday that you can give. Uh, so you can donate towards that online on our website. Uh, or if you're writing out a check in the memo, just put down Easter offering. So far, we want to thank everyone that's given so far because so far we've already raised $4,000 towards the uh, disaster efforts in Turkey. So thank you everyone that's already given so far. And I just want to remind everyone that we still can give uh, through next Sunday as well. Next Friday, we will be having our men's breakfast at Faye's Country Kitchen at 8 a.m. So a good way to remember that is every second Friday of the month. And I think that you also need to bring cash because it's cash only at Faye's Kitchen. <clears throat> uh, Sign-ups are now open for the annual uh, Ladies Spring Luncheon. If you're new, this event is where the ladies uh, of community come together for fellowship, good food, and a speaker. Uh, this event features 10 themed tables and you can sign up and pay here in person. You can also sign up uh, online. If you're signing up here in person, uh, we usually have someone there at the black tables there as you leave through the main doors here. Um, for the ladies' lunch, doors open at 10.30 a.m. And it starts at 11 a.m. And that's April 22nd. Should be up there. On April 29th, we're going to be gathering together for our community uh, annual spring work day. So we're going to be starting at 8 a.m. in the morning, and we're going to be working on several different projects. Uh, just a few of them are replacing the ramp at the youth building, uh, painting the youth building door, uh, cleaning windows. You can see more details. We have plenty more projects that we can get done there as well. So anyone that's uh, able and willing to come help us out, we would be glad to have your help April 29th for our annual spring work day. Our softball team is up and running. We have practices each Wednesday of this month of April. Uh, those will be starting at 5 p.m. each Wednesday in this month. Uh, we're also, yes, practices are here uh, in the back. We are, we're just meeting here in the grass field here. Uh, we have Man Day that's going to be on May 20th, as you can see on the screen. Uh, we have flyers for all this information available now at the connection desk, so the counter out here in the lobby on your way out if you go to your right. Uh, they're going to be pond fishing, shooting, eating, and fellowshipping together there at Man Day. But before Man Day, actually on uh, May 14th, we have our baby and child dedication on Mother's Day. So if you're interested in having your child dedicated, make sure you email Pastor Glenn. He's sitting right up here. You saw him earlier. <laughs> uh, we're excited to have registrations open now for our 100-year anniversary celebration banquet on May 21st. The cost for this event is $10, an adult $5, a child and under 10, oh, children under 10, and kids under 2 eat free. Um, I just want to welcome anyone that's new here to community. If this is your first time visiting with us and worshiping with us, uh, we actually have a gift for you as you leave. 
Uh, if you go out these doors, go to the right and see those uh, counters there. You'll see some white bags. It's got a gift in there for you. And it's got a paper that we ask that you fill out that way we can get to know you a little bit better as well. Hey, before everyone le uh, leaves this morning, we did have a great breakfast. I want to thank everyone that has brought food out this morning for that. Uh, we also just want to remind you, if you did not collect your dishes yet, make sure you swing by there on your way out. That way you can have your dishes and you don't have to worry about them throughout the week. At this time, I'm going to hand it back over to Pastor Glenn. Yeah, thank you for uh, those of you who fixed the breakfast. Um, and you did well. I don't think anybody fell asleep here during the service. There was kind of concern about that after all that food and sugar and everything. I was concerned I might fall asleep, you know. <laughs> but we made it. We made it. It was good. Yeah. Uh, hey, I hope you have a wonderful week. Uh, it's supposed to be beautiful weather. Yeah, we've made spring. Uh, I do want to say to any of you that are guests here today, you're welcome to come back anytime. We love seeing you. And um, I pray you have a wonderful, blessed Easter today with your families and friends. God bless you. Have a good day.